Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me this week, in place of Robert Zirk, is my co-host, Sonny Promolo. On today's show, Folklorama is right around the corner, and this year's festival is looking to be the biggest and best ever. We'll speak with Teresa Cotroneo about what we can all expect at over 40 different pavilions this year. Then we had a chance to drop by the Urban Shaman Gallery this week to check out their new exhibit, A Turtle's Dream, Landscapes and Mindscapes. We spoke with Liz Garlicki, Outreach Coordinator, about the exhibit and went, and what went into its creation. We'll also speak with Chuck McEwen, Festival Producer at the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre. We'll be talking Fringe Fest and what RMTC has in store for the last week of the festival. Then, on the RC360 road trip, we'll be visiting Austin, Manitoba, where we visited the Manitoba Agricultural Museum. Anais Birna, Executive Director and Curator, will take us on a tour of the museum's agricultural equipment, displays, and buildings. And finally, we'll speak with Joseph Cornelson of West End Biz. He'll let us know about some of the tours they offer and some of the great things happening in the West End this summer. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to RC360, Nolan with you as always. And this week we don't have Mr. Robert Zirk, we have Mr. Sonny Promolo. Sonny, oh. welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. How are you this fine uh, Thursday afternoon? I'm doing great. Looks like the weather's looking up. A little rough, hey? Yeah, like hopefully it gets nicer for the weekend. We had a little bit of rain this week, but, you know, we can handle rain. It's been super hot. Like, You know what? I think we needed this. Do you prefer the heat or do you prefer the cool? I personally like a little bit of coolness. Uh, heat's always nice, but it's nice to get a little bit of a break from I that. I kind of agree. I know it's kind of almost blasphemy to be a Winnipegger and be wishing for colder <laughs> weather, but that's, you know, that's just who we are. This week, we got a really cool show. Uh, were you on the road trip to Austin, Manitoba? I absolutely y- was. You and Rob went. So what was that like? You went to the uh, Manitoba Agriculture Museum. What did you guys see there? You know what? We saw so many great things. We even saw Big Roy. Uh, it's it's basically the world's largest tractor. which Big is, Roy? Yeah, nice. located right here in Manitoba. So Very if cool. you want to check that out, you definitely should go. Yeah, the uh, road trips have been a lot of fun. We've got a bunch more in the bank already that we've traveled all over Manitoba to check places out. So excited to take you to the Ag Museum this week. I think next week we're going to be going to Cook's Creek. And uh, I don't know, there's a whole bunch more on the, on the All docket. All sorts of fun things. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, we always kick things off with a show on our C3, or with a song on our C360. So this week we're going to go uh, to Happiness Street with Georgia Gibbs right here on our C360. <laughs> Street Corner Sunshine Square Now we don't quarrel Now we're so glad Glad that we're living Where love is the fad Where? On Happiness Street Corner Sunshine Square They never heard the blues They never heard the fears Troubles take my advice. You in 
Where? On Happiness Street, corner Sunshine Square. Street, corner Sunshine Square. Where? To Happiness Street, corner Sunshine Square. They never heard the blues. They never heard the fears. They never heard the wars, they never heard the tears. That's the reason folks are happy there. So won't you pack up your troubles, take my advice. You and your baby can find paradise. Where? On Happiness Street. Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I'm now joined in studio by Teresa Cotroneo. She's the acting, acting executive director at Folklorama. Teresa, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So as we all should know by now, Folklorama is the largest and longest running multicultural festival in the entire world. Started way back in 1970. There's going to be over 40 pavilions this year all across the city. You can, you can find more information at folklorama.ca. But for those that aren't familiar with Folklorama, maybe they have been living under a rock for the past... 40, I can't even do math, 49, 40, 49 <laughs> years. Uh, give me sort of just a breakdown of what Folklorama entails. Sure. Well, uh, yes, it is our 49th festival this year. Uh, started as a one-time event in 1970. Uh, a group of community-minded individuals wanted to get together to celebrate Manitoba's centennial. And uh, the original festival had 21 communities participating in it and was such a success that here we are 49 years later and uh, going strong. This year we've got 44 pavilions, uh, so 23 in our first week and uh, 21 in the second week. Cool. So so many different festivals and things have start, come and gone in Winnipeg. Why, yes. What do you think has made Folklorama such a mainstay? What, why has it persi- persisted for so long? I believe that it has a lot to do with people sharing in our mission, which is you know, the celebrating of uh, diversity and promoting of cultural understanding, especially uh, in today's world, it it resonates more than ever. Mm-hmm. I think there's also a lot of nostalgia. Uh, a lot of people that I come across have either been to, participated in, had family who, uh, so it's become a, a family tradition in a lot of ways. 100%. Well, what's your, uh, do you have any traditions from, like, what's your favorite part of it? Um, what, well, my uh, my history is, is sorted. I actually started at 12 years old as a wow. dancer and uh, grew through the pavilion as a volunteer, as a coordinator. Um, and Which pavilion did you dance It in? was Italy, Sicily, oh, which is nice. actually not uh, one that's around anymore, mm-hmm. but eventually it was with volunteering with the Italian pavilion. And uh, then my education and work experience led me to the role on the corporate side. So I've been on this end of things now for five years. What has been, uh, how has is, how is it changed since you were 12? Like how has Folkorama evolved since you were dancing back, b- way back when? Well, I would say that... Um, 
as much as things have changed, they've stayed the same. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, some of the things that are will always be part of the festival. You know, I'll talk about you know the Italian pavilion. There'll always be pizza at the Italian pavilion, uh, but the the communities actually have a really good pulse on what's going on and what's current uh, back in their country of origin yeah. and they have a way to keep it fresh so they bring that to the festival every year and really know how to curate uh, what their heritage means to them and yeah. share that with the city well, talk a little bit about the volunteers and all the people like there's a lot of yes. of human power that goes into making sure this all hap all goes down so like what's that process like of gathering all the volunteers and sort of coordinating everyone like tell me what that process is like well it's it's extraordinary um for folklorama we start uh, we, we are basically the front line so we start working with the pavilions uh before the festival is even over we're already planning for the next year of course and uh, we have a main point of contact within each pavilion and then a pavilion coordinator and they themselves actually manage their own pavilion at their community level with their volunteers. What so kind of numbers are we talking? Well we have uh, it's over 20,000 that participate every year wow. and that is uh, in different facets at different times but it's an ongoing thing year-round. Uh, everyone who touches hands with the pavilion uh, is a volunteer so it's really a tremendous effort. No kidding. I'm more f I'm familiar with, uh, as most people are, with the pavilions, but I yes. understand there's like workshops and tours and stuff. So let's talk about like the lesser known parts of Folklorama that people sure. might not understand. What are some of the teaching aspects of Folklorama? Yes. So out of the success of the festival, we had three other business divisions uh, grow. Folklorama Talent, which uh, is full booking agency. So if there's any talent that you actually see at the pavilions themselves or others who are members uh, of Folklorama, you can book those groups outside of the festival time. Oh, and cool. So year round, you year can round. get like a traditional dancer from whatever country. Absolutely. Very cool. So for corporate events, smart. yeah, corporate events, personal events, if it's a, a wedding or, you know, something that's um, that you'd like to have that How representation. How long has that been happening for? Many, many years. Yeah. yeah, cool. yeah. I wasn't aware. Yeah. And uh, Folklorama Teachings is also another part of that. That is um, an interactive uh, element where we actually have some of our talent members come out and they will do workshops, mm -hmm. hands-on, uh, so not just performances, but also some of, uh, you know, um, making certain recipes or doing certain arts and crafts, things that Very reflect cool. different cultures. Um, and Folklorama Travel. So they operate not only as uh, one of the leaders in group tours during the festival, but outside of the festival, they are a receptive tour operator. So they work with groups that are coming in uh, in creating corporate itineraries for them that have a cultural component to them also. Uh, so Huge. a lot of activity Lots outside of those two weeks. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, let's talk. I was reading a little bit about VIP tours and group tours, too, because yes. I've only done Folkorama. Just, you know, me and a couple friends go out and yes. kind of do the solo tour yourself. But how can you get set up with a VIP tour or a, or a group tour? Uh, VIP tours are um, a great way to Folklorama. Uh, you can access them through our website, folklorama.ca, and you can pick either a two or three pavilion tour and uh, you'll have transportation from a pickup location between pavilions. Uh, so it's by motor coach. That's uh, so nice. usually a, a full bus. Uh, you'll skip the lineups. You'll have reserved seating at the pavilion and then uh, table service and uh, usually a progressive meal. So first pavilion, you may have an appetizer, second dinner, etc. And uh, we don't just do it by motor coach, but we also have bike tours and oh, nice. uh, walking tours, which are very popular and uh, accessibility tours for those that require that option as well. What do you think it is about Winnipeg that that makes this such a successful thing? Like, because we have so many different, you know, 
areas of the world that have converged on Winnipeg for one reason or another. And, and what do you think it is about this sort of melting pot that makes something like this work for so long? Well, I think that it's not the melting pot. I think that's, right. yeah, I think yeah. that's why it works. Yeah, I think it's um, that we are able to celebrate and share in that cultural mosaic. And um, someone recently said to me, you know, during the, the festival, the city seems to have a heightened mutual respect for each other's cultures. And I think that that's a, a really true statement. Mm -hmm. And I think that being able to share to share with each other during that time is what keeps everyone going. It's that pride in where I came from, um, pride in what I've created here and how I can share that with each other. Very well said, yeah. What's something over the years that you were surprised by a culture that you were like, oh, I never knew this, this is so cool, and now it's something that you look forward to every year? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm gonna actually probably say, um, oh, there's so many, <laughs> so many things throughout the years that have been interesting, but, um, I, I, I was surprised by the French fries and mayonnaise in, at Belgian. Yeah. Like that was just, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I knew about the beers, um, but uh, was surprised by French fries and mayo. Just one of those things off the cuff. That was um, a friend of mine spent a year uh, as a nanny in Belgium, came in, in Belgium and came back and was like, you have to try this. And I was like, mm, <laughs> kind of apprehensive, but then, you know, they do it right. And yeah. there's something about it that it just works. Yeah. And you know what? Every community um, has such interesting things that jump out at you. Um, with over 40, I could, I, if I really sat long enough and think, thought about it, I could come up with a lot. Um, but I don't know why that one's always stood out, but it has. For sure. Awesome. Um, so where can people find out more information and uh, what would you recommend that they do for the for the extent of the whole festival? Well, uh, Folklorama. What's the best way to what's the best way to take it all in? Uh, visiting the website's the best thing to do. Folklorama.ca always has the most comprehensive, up to date information. Uh, we have our travel guide, of course, on there, which is a great resource. Um, all of the information with respect to um, visiting guests and different pavilion venues some of them change throughout the year is there uh, and it really truly tells you how to folklorama it's yeah. it's a really good guide um and then new for this year something that uh, has been a, a challenge in previous years is people worried about long lineups mm -hmm. you know some of the shows do sell out because uh, the festival's success continues to grow um so this time for the first time in folklorama history we are completely online you can buy tickets to and then just scan your phone or how yeah yeah, oh, yeah. Very so you can cool. buy, yeah yeah, tickets That's to great. any show, uh, any date that is available, and you won't have to worry about not getting in when you get there. You'll nice. get in. Nice and efficient. Yes. So um, that's something that we're very proud of. It's been a few years in the making. Cool. And yeah. So folklorama.ca for that information. Yes. And the best part about it is, is, yes, there's lots to do, but you can do as literal or as much as you want. If you want to go all in and every single night you can hit two or three pavilions, you can do that. Or just one a night or one every couple of days. It's, it's it's any way you want to experience it. It is. It is. And um, we do have a lot of folks who do actually, you know, they, they plan their, their vacation around it. Mm -hmm. They pavilion hop, you know, three pavilions a night. Uh, on the weekends, there's an option of some of the pavilions have more shows uh, or late night parties that you can uh, take part in so mm -hmm. uh truly yeah it's it's a great experience very cool well thank you for telling us all about it uh good luck in the coming weeks because i know it's going to be probably crazy for you but uh thank you for telling us all about it and uh happy folklorama thank you and thank you so much for for having us Teresa cotroneo is the acting executive director of folklorama thank you for talking to us today thanks nolan Coming up next, my conversation with Liz Garlicky, Outreach co Coordinator at the Urban Shaman Gallery. We spoke about their new exhibit, A Turtle's Dream, Landscapes and Mindscapes, earlier this week. 
when I was there, I actually got to see quite a bit of uh, different types of art, whether it was photography to handmade art. There was all sorts of fun things made from people f- from all ages. It was a collaboration uh, with people from um, Nadinaway and Brandon University. I definitely think you all should check it out. But before we get to that, here's Deanna Durbin. It's Raining Sunbeams. <laughs> City 360. I'm Sonny Promolo, and I'm here at Urban Shaman Gallery with Outreach Coordinator Liz Garlicki. We're here today to learn about the new exhibit that recently opened on the 20th, but before we do that, could you tell us a bit about the Urban Shaman Gallery? Yes, um, uh, Urban Shaman's located uh, in the Exchange area, which is 203-290 McDermott Avenue, and we've been around since 1996. We uh, showcase uh, Indigenous Aboriginal artists from uh, Canada, Manitoba, and internationally, which is amazing. It's all contemporary work, so it's not what you would think of in regards to velvet paintings or anything, but (laughs) definitely the work here is uh, a lot more edgier, talks about the community, and the two shows that we've got going on right now are youth programs um, that have gone through Nadinaway and Brandon University, part of the two showcases that we've got at the gallery. How did Urban Shaman, the concept, come to be? Like most galleries, uh, there was a group of artists who found that they weren't represented in Winnipeg in uh, 96. And um, what happened is uh, all the uh, friends got together and started a board and then started Urban Shaman Gallery, which uh, originally was on Albert Street in um, the basement where Natural Cycle is now. 
So it's a very small space. And then eventually it just grew and grew and we became like what you see here at 290 McDermott. Yeah. So as we look at the location here now, uh, we have a couple of galleries going on. Technically, it's two becoming one. One is from Nadinaway. Can you tell us a little bit about A Turtle's Dream Landscapes and Mindscapes? Yeah. So um, Nadinaway uh, Youth Resource Center has a, an art program that they uh, have uh, running throughout the week. Uh, and they're, I believe, usually drop-in um, for, for anyone who want to learn how to do artwork. They have a, a program where uh, anyone who want to uh, do artwork and uh, be a part of the community can drop in and work on uh, themed work. And in this case, it's a, a turtle's dream. So the kids uh, and also some youth and adults um, are allowed to come and uh, work on these murals and these paintings in the center part of the gallery. So uh, I'm just going to give you, I guess, a... Um, kind of a tour. So we've got in the middle the Nadinaway project and what they do here in Winnipeg. And then on the outside, we've got the Brandon University project. And that one is called Voices of Indigenous Youth, a Healthy Neighborhood and Urban Garden Project. And that was um, part of a project that the university, uh, Brandon University, I should say, put on together. And uh, the two shows that they put on, which was the indigenous healthy neighborhood part is on one side and the urban gardening is on the other. So you get to see these two distinct kind of themes for Brandon, but for the two shows to be together, it's kind of like these two great youth programs that are in Brandon and one's in Winnipeg. So yeah, I, it's a lovely way to parallel each other. Brandon's giving us our, their in, information about what they've learned about their community and bringing it to Winnipeg. And uh, I just find that they kind of coincide very well together. When we look at the pieces themselves, what can people expect to see when they look at the pieces that are here? Um, oh, yes. Uh, so the university, uh, the Brandon University Project, are all photographs, and they have uh, little stories uh, that detail what's in the picture, and these are stories by the artists themselves. So we've got almost over 20 artists that are represented uh, with the show from Brandon University. And in regards to the inside part of the gallery, that's Nadinaway, and they've kind of uh, stayed with the more hands-on with painting and collage and ceramics. So you'll see all the uh, work that's done by hand. And then we've got the wonderful photographs on the outside. So again, two different shows, two different kind of mediums and ways of working with the youth uh, in their community and their through their programs, which is amazing. So it's just like a really good feeling for me to have the two shows together because it just brings our, ourselves closer together as a one big, huge kind of provincial, you know, <laughs> provincial like community. Like we're all looking after each other. Now it's cities. It was just the person beside you or in your community or in on your street or in next door to you. But now it's becoming cities where they're helping each other and showing off what they've learned and what we can aspire to and vice versa. 
Absolutely. So when I look at some of these photos, uh, a lot of them have to deal with gardening. And with gardening, you actually have two maps that show you which gardens they actually came from. That's right. So um, all the locations on the maps are um, the uh, places where the project worked on and where they planted and also got to know each other as individuals and became a community and um, kind of documenting what uh, that has done for them and showing off that, you know, you need these healthy uh, things to do like gardening, simple gardening, just to kind of alleviate those stresses in your lives. And that's with children and that's also with adults. So again, the community um, came together, not just for the kids in a youth program, but they included also adults because that's they're just as much a part of the community as the kids, even though we're older. The, yeah, the, the age didn't matter. The, it was what was the outcome is what we see here. And it's such a wonderful, happy show, you know, showing how they've they grew something with their own two hands. It's, it's lovely. And all the stories are wonderful. And we've got publications for free um, at the front um, to take away. So you can read those stories when you get home. If any of you are interested in checking out some of this beautiful artwork, make sure you come down to Urban Shaman Gallery, uh, especially if you're coming down for the Fringe Festival. It's literally just corner away. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so Liz, thank you again for coming on to River City 360. Uh, can you tell us about anything else that's coming up with Urban Shaman Gallery? Mm -hmm. Our next show is actually going to be um, three artists from Winnipeg. Uh, they're uh, called the Ephemerals. They're the, an, a collective of uh, women who uh, will be putting a gallery inside a gallery. So it'll be a small representation of a shop called Outpost. So that's that will happen in September 20th, I believe. Be sure to look out for that. But for now, we do have uh, Turtles Dream Landscapes and Mindscapes currently. The exhibit opened on July 20th and will be going until August 11th. So make sure you come down and check that out. Admission is free, so feel free to bring your whole family and come in, check out the great work. Thank you again, Liz. Thanks. Thanks, Sunny. Coming up next, how many of you have seen a couple of Fringe shows already? Fringe launched last Wednesday. It's in full swing right now. And after the break, we're going to be joined by Chuck McEwen. He's the executive producer at the Winnipeg Fringe Festival. And he's going to tell us about what's happening in the last, last half of Fringe Fest. So stay tuned for that. But before we get to that, here's uh, Catherine McKinnon with Magic Lanterns right here on River City 360. There's a thousand little lamps are burning all across the town A thousand little dwellings sleeping all around Out there beneath the stars a thousand lovers sleep Are the lamps are burning low where others sit and weep A million stars are shining far away up in the sky only moonbeams peeping through the shutters where they lie. A million dreams are turning where the lamps are burning bright. But the shadows are falling when a baby cries in fright. Ooh. 
Seven little lamps are burning red and green and blue Winking at the stars saying how do you do The winds are softly sighing I can hear them in the night They whisper through the chimneys that everything's alright See the city lights below Time for me to slumber When city lights are low There on my pillow As the dawn breaks all the time I dream of magic lanterns Burning brightly all Thank you, for, thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and we're now joined via telephone by Chuck McEwen. He's the executive director for Winnipeg Fringe Theatre Festival here in Winnipeg. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Fringe is in full swing right now. What give, give us a little bit of taste of how the weeks have been going, or how the week has been going, and what's what's up for the final week uh, at, at Winnipeg Fringe Fest. Well, it's been great. Uh, you know, we kicked off uh, um, last Wednesday, and uh, we've got 178 indoor shows, and the audiences have been coming out in droves. We've had a little bit of weather issues with some uh, rain, but we're hoping that it'll be clear sailing for the final weekend. Absolutely. So give, give me an example of what sorts of shows that people can... I mean, it runs the gamut from improv to comedy to all sorts of things, but what, what are the sorts of shows that are standing out to you this year when it comes to Fringe Fest? Well, you know, like, like you said, we have 178 shows. They're all by independent theater companies from uh, Manitoba, across Canada, and around the world. And to be honest, the Fringe is, we have to promote all the shows equally because they're all out there working hard to attract an audience. So I really can't promote one show over another. But like you say, if you've never been to the Fringe before, uh, you've just heard about it, and you might think it's a little odd or it's about weird plays, it's not like that at all. There are those things in the Fringe Festival, of course, but the Fringe is just a lot of artists telling storytelling, tra- traditional storytelling, or improv, like you said, comedies, musicals, doing classic plays, whether it's Shakespeare or a modern contemporary playwright, or original work about you know uh, serious topics. So there's something for everybody to enjoy, no matter whether you're like a, you like sports, or you like politics, or you like to just laugh, or hear somebody sing a song. You can find it all at the Fringe. That's very true. I won't put you on the spot about picking any favorites or, or anything like that. Um, what do you th- What do you think it is about Winnipeg um, that sort of has this higher echelon of talent when it comes to theater? What What is it about our city that makes us so, so good at that? Well, first off, we have an incredible arts community in general, and we have a very large arts-going community for the performing arts. So those two things combined, I think, encourage young people to you know, take theater or music or dance uh, uh, in school and then also potentially to go into university, both at the University of Manitoba and University of Winnipeg, into their theater programs, whether it's the acting program or the production program, writing program. And so I think 
all those combinations of, of a strong arts community in general and having such a, a big arts community with MTC, PTE, the ballet, the symphony, the opera, that we really are developing young artists at an early age, and the Fringe is an excellent opportunity for them to continue that development into becoming senior artists. Very well said. Um, so what is it about the sort of non-traditional format a lot of times that... that is so appealing about Fringe. You know, it's not necessarily you go and sit down in a big theater and pay your ticket price and and enjoy a show, which is, there are that option, obviously. But talk a little bit about the sort of non-traditional formats that that Fringe is, is so known for. Sure, well, and that goes back to the artists and the audiences. The Fringe is what we call an unjuried festival. We don't select the plays based on uh, the writing or the artist, we put all the names into a hat or a lottery, uh, bingo lottery machine, actually, and we draw them out. So we allow artists to tell the stories the way they want to tell them and, and hopefully find the audience for them, and that opens up creativity. So you've got artists taking a chance on their new play, doing something different and creative. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But again, our audiences here in Winnipeg are supportive of that process and are willing to take that chance with the artists. And and I, I think it's amazing. Like I, you're, you're going to see clown show here. You're going to see mask mime show, which which is just storytelling with movement and lighting and sound. You're going to see some puppeteering. You're going to see some uh, one company is using an overhead projector and animation and slideshows for shadow projection. Mm. Uh, you're going to see a bit of everything, and you're going to go. I was blown away by that, and you don't see it every day on traditional theater stages. It's only at this fringe level, independent level, where artists are able to take that chance without the financial risk of having to rent a theater for three weeks and market for this new way of putting different elements of theater together on stage. That's Yeah, it's very interesting to think about. So you said over 170 performances are happening at Fringe? This year we have 178 uh, performing companies, uh, like I said, from around the world. There'll be 1,535 performances in 30 venues over 12 days. That's a lot to choose from. How many people are actually trying to get in on Fringe, obviously, if you're putting them into the bingo machine? We have over 300, I think it was just around 350 applications this year to participate in the Fringe Festival because it is so affordable and accessible to artists. Basically, what the artists do is they, if they get selected in the lottery draw, their fee is $750. And for that, they get a venue, seven or eight performances, lights, sound, the technician, the box office, the marketing, and they get to keep 100% of their box office revenue. So if you pay $10 to buy a ticket at the door, that $10 goes directly to the performing companies. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a great a great week for anyone. It doesn't even you don't even have to have to be necessarily a fan or a purveyor of theater itself. You can just go like myself. You know, I'm not a big theater guy, but every fringe show that I've ever gone to has made me walk away going, "Whoa, that was actually pretty cool." Maybe I should check out a few more of these things. And, and the accessibility is just so so great when it comes to being able to see theater and being able to see high level performers uh, just basically two feet away from you. Well, that's just it. I mean, you can see some amazing, talented performers on stage for a very affordable price. Maximum ticket price is $12. Uh, You've got discounts for students and seniors for many shows. We've got our frequent fringer card. And as you say, if you're a first-timer, you come out, pick something that you think you'll know. Like, if you like storytelling, pick a storytelling show. If you like improv, go to an improv show. But once you see that first show, you're going to get hooked. And before you know it, you're going to be seeing, you know, two-a-day kind of a thing. Absolutely. Well, so how can people find out more information? Where can they get tickets and and just give us all the rundown? 
Well, for, for basic festival information, always go to the website, winnipegfringe.com. All the basics are there on how to buy tickets and passes. All of the show descriptions and show times are all there. You can sort it down based on, I just want to see improv shows at this specific venue or what have you, or audience classifications, family-friendly, mature audience. And, and Or you can buy a, a Fringe program guide if you're on site. But go to the website. It's all there. And if you just want to come down and have some fun, once the weather clears, we're going to have some amazing street performers and musical acts in Old Market Square Park every day from noon till midnight. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Chuck, for talking to us today and telling us all about Fringe. Again, you could go to winnipegfringe.com for more information. Chuck McEwen is the executive producer for the Winnipeg Fringe Theatre Festival. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks a lot, and hope to see you at the Fringe. Welcome to the River City 360 Road Trip. Today, we're heading out to Austin, Manitoba, where we visited the Manitoba Agricultural Museum. Let's go. Welcome back to River City 360. We're on a road trip in Austin, Manitoba today at the Manitoba Agricultural Museum. And I'm now joined by Anais Bernat. She is the executive director and curator of the Agricultural Museum. And we're about to uh, to take a tour of the uh, the museum here today. Anais, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Give us a little bit of background about the Manitoba Agricultural Museum and an event that's held here that's very special to Austin that's happening this weekend. So the Manitoba Agricultural Museum is born from the dream of passionate people, basically. So it was born in uh, the 50s, in 1951, from a group of people that loved agricultural machinery and equipment. And they could see it was getting sold, it was getting broken into pieces and uh, sold to the US or other parts of Canada. And the goal was really to keep those machines in Manitoba, especially the ones that were Manitoba made, and use them. So part of the fun was to actually gather and use the machines to with your friends and that's something that is very much still here in the museum today. That's also something that is happening during the Manitoba Thresherman reunion July 26th to the 29th. We will head off to our first stop and take a look what's there. Okay let's do that. So we're out here taking a look at these rows of steam engines. Tell us a little bit about what we're seeing here. Yeah, so that's our collection of steam engine tractors. So we have quite a few of them. Uh, we have some on the grounds as well. Under those, these sheds here, there are seven of them that are still in use today. So obviously they are inspected regularly and then our volunteers can have fun with them. We actually also hold a steam school with the Steam Association of Manitoba. So that's really the goal is to keep the passion going, being able to use them and maintain them for everyone to see. Steam engine tractors were very big at the end of the 19th century, very beginning of the 20th century, and they kind of got replaced with gas tractors uh, in the 20s and 30s. But they work the same way as your old locomotives was. (laughs) So definitely lots of water needed and to power the fire, mostly wood, um, later on a bit coal, but that was mostly for the locomotives and sometimes even on the fields they would use straw. 
so we're now at the Centennial Building, and one of the bigger attractions here at the museum, Big Roy. Tell us a little bit about Big Roy, the tractor that we're seeing here. Big Roy first is huge. That's why it's named this way. <laughs> and it also has a power of attraction because it's a unique one. It's a, it's a, it was meant as a prototype and it has never been put into production. So because of that, we are the only ones that have a big Roy because there is only one big Roy. It's also versatile, so it's a Manitoba company. So that's pretty cool to have it here with us and showcase Manitoba knowledge and skills. So yeah, it was created as a prototype, the idea was to put it in pro into production at the end of the 70s, but it's pretty big and it requires quite a lot of gas. So after creating it, they realized that it might not be the best seller because of the price point and then the price to just run it on a regular basis. So then it was uh, donated to uh, the museum later on and we're pretty proud to have it here. We have visitors from all around the world that ask us to see Big Roy here. So now just outside of the uh, Centennial building, we're now approaching the Homesteaders Village and there's a signpost with all kinds of arrows pointing to different buildings. Give us a bit of a general sense of the, the Homesteaders Village. It's about 25 buildings of pioneer times. So the idea is really to show the life in rural Manitoba at that time and to kind of connect with the agricultural equipment so what the daily life would be after the farm i guess all of the buildings here have been moved here except for one we still have the original building uh, from the families that donated the land for the museum so the house hasn't moved it's called the carrizer's house and the carrizer's family was instrumental in creating the museum. So as I said, they donated this house and uh, the land around it, but there are also uh, the families that began that little threshing fun event that I mentioned earlier, and that led to the Manitoba Threshermen's reunion later on. The other ones have been moved here in the 60s and 70s for most of them, and they are all organized around one road, which is kind of the traditional way of uh, seeing them in, a, in an old town. And we have uh, churches, uh, houses, manor. We have two schools, general store, post office. You can really see everything in the little town. Uh, later on, we'll see the mill and the blacksmith and the library as well. So you were mentioning the Carruthers family donated the land and, and really was kind of instrumental in getting the museum going and, and even the Threshermen's reunion going. Can you tell us a little bit more about the family in this house? Yeah, so that was a pretty big family. The family moved into the house in the 1910s and then stayed there. Um, the family, the house got an annex built to it because it was getting too small for this big family uh, in the 20s and then that's where they lived until the parents passed away. So we're starting to make our way into uh, into town. So the livery, most people would arrive by horse or pass through town by horse or on their way somewhere else they need some place for their horse to stay for the night. So the person owning it would also make small repairs if needed, making sure that the person can go to their next stop safely. And then we've got a blacksmith shop here. Yeah, blacksmith important person. They take care of the horseshoes obviously for the horses, but he also makes all of the tools, anything that is made of metal. So there was one for the whole town and that's where everyone would go to. A lot of the commerce was done on a trade base, so you would give them 
maybe some flour or some grain in exchange for fixing your tools. So we also have two meals in the village. We are passing one of them right now. Again, very important. Uh, most people would pay for uh, the milling in grain. So you would give a little bit of grain or of the flowers when it's uh, milled to the mailman. So now we are reaching the edge of the village. Theoretically, that's usually where people would arrive. So we went backwards. Uh, we can leave the museum now through the train station. So the train station is the spot where people would arrive to the village. Uh, it's usually on, a, on an angle to the main street. And that's where they will bring all their belongings with them as well, if they are settling in Manitoba. So usually there are quite a few items in their luggage, but that's also the place where the grain is leaving from. So very important for uh, the Manitoba economy to ensure that the farmers here can sell their products uh, to other provinces. Our trains were working with steam, so you needed to put some water in those engines to make them run. So that's why in the landscapes in Manitoba, we often see the water towers and the train station together. All right, so we see a few uh, farm engines here. Tell us a little bit about this area, what we're seeing here. Yeah, so in the museum we have quite a few tractor sheds, as we call them, that are uh, really tractors on display. And they really show the evolution of the mechanical aspects and the techniques to uh, make them the most efficient possible on the fields, because that's ultimately what the goal is, right? To be able to farm efficiently. Beginning with the steam engines, and there is actually a tractor that shows a cut of a steam engine to understand how that works inside and all the way to more recent years. This weekend, uh, the Manitoba Agricultural Museum is hosting uh, a pretty big event, the uh, the annual Thresherman's Reunion and Stampede. Can you tell us a little bit about the event and what that all entails? Yeah, that's a pretty big event. That's uh, four days. It involves every aspect of the museum. So the machinery is the, the village, but also much more because there is a rodeo every day as well. There is a parade every day that shows kind of like the, the last display we've seen, the history of of farm power and the history of our tractors. So you can see the evolution and you can see them running, which doesn't happen that often. So that's pretty exciting, but also activities all day long, um, music, entertainment and interpretation in the village fashion show from pioneer times. So lots of things that will make you travel back in time, I guess. If any of our listeners want to come down, uh, this weekend obviously is a great weekend to do it with the Thresherman's Reunion and Stampede, but if they can't make it this weekend and still want to come down and check out all the cool things that this museum has to offer, how can they visit? How can they get in contact? Yeah, so you can come every day. We are open from 9 to 5 for the summer season, so until the end of September, and after that our hours are a bit more limited. And it's uh, $10 admission for adults, $8 for seniors and students, and $5 for for children and you can just come to see us and we will make sure that you know what there is to see and where to go and you'll be all set. We have a campground as well so you can even spend the night here before or after your visit if you want. Very cool. Well thank you so much Anais for the wonderful tour of the Agricultural Museum. You're welcome and thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on the RC360 Road Trip. We'll see you next week, same time, different place.
Welcome back to River City 360. My name is Sunny Promolo, and I'm here today with Joseph Cornelson, Promotion and Development Coordinator and Executive Assistant at the West End Biz. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Sunny. Tell us about the West End Biz and what area does that really cover? So the West End Biz is one of the largest uh, bizes in the city. Uh, we covered the area uh, north of Portage and south of Notre Dame, and then um, the area around Central Park all the way out to Strathcona. Our area is the former west end of the city. Obviously, we're no longer on the west end of the city since, uh, since amalgamation. The west side of Winnipeg has moved quite a bit further west. Awesome. So you guys have quite a bit going on. Uh, tell me about some of your tours. I know you have mural tours, uh, artisan tours, and restaurant tours. Sure, I can tell you a little bit about our mural tours. We, uh, uh, we offer them all summer. They start in June, and we go right to the end of August. They're really about celebrating the, the artwork that we've built up on the walls of our neighborhood in the last uh, 20 and 30 years. Um, our murals tell stories about the people, the history, the buildings of uh, the West End community. And our mural tours are an opportunity for folks to kind of learn a little bit more about the neighborhood while sort of enjoying the art that exists throughout the neighborhood. Driving down Portage, uh, there's one in particular uh, where it has Jonathan Taves on there, Bobby Hull. I'm sure most of you have seen it. Uh, but to know the story behind a lot of these murals would be really awesome, actually. There's quite a few murals that you guys have down there. That's right. So, um, you know, over the, uh, over the existence of the biz, we've painted something like 90 murals in the neighborhood. Wow. Um, now, obviously, they wear out over time. Uh, right now, we have a little over 70 murals in the neighborhood in total. Uh, the um, the power play mural you're referencing is one of the murals on the tour, so folks will get a chance to kind of learn why we painted that one, what it means. Like you say, Jonathan Taves and, and Bobby Hall are both featured in it, so we talk a little bit about them. Uh, and, and again, that's just one mural of, of, of countless murals. We, we do about 15 on the tour. Sometimes it's a little more, sometimes it's a little less. We're often able to customize the tour for the uh, for the participants. If folks are, are wanting a tour but they don't quite have uh, a full two hours, we're often able to customize for them. How can somebody get a hold of the West End Biz to book a tour? For sure. Um, you can do it by calling us, 204-954-7900, and uh, we'll be happy to book it for you right there on the phone. Uh, folks can also book them online by visiting our website, www.westendbiz.ca slash tours. That will get you there. If you just go to the homepage, uh, it's pretty easy to find the link to the tours as well. And not only do you offer just the mural tours, there's also artisan tours. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So um, in addition to the mural tours, our more recent additions have been the restaurant tours and the artisan tours. Uh, the artisan tours are, in fact, the very newest ones we offer. Um, I was one of the leads in, in kind of developing that tour along with the tour guide we had several years ago. And the reason we offer it is because we have a lot of really interesting, creative uh, businesses in the West End. Um, the there's because the the um because you can lease a space in the west end for some of the most affordable rates anywhere in the city it it's really made our neighborhood into one that that folks can come out and really try out a unique cool interesting idea and we wanted to celebrate that uh, on these tours so um, for instance, uh, we will visit on one of the tours uh, a stained glass company, Prairie Studio Glass, uh, and they'll talk a little bit about how to actually, you know, color the uh, color the the glass, how to like put it into a mosaic, into a into a, a piece of art. We visit um, a, a we visit Old House Revival. They're an antiques shop, and they'll show you some cool craft ideas uh, that you can do with some of their. 
uh, some of the little trinkets they have lying around, old doorknobs, coat hooks, that kind of thing. And then we, um, on that same tour, we actually visit Endura making, uh, for lack of a better word, we'll call it a factory. It's a small little um, building, and they actually produce all the Endura for uh, all the Ethiopian restaurants in oh, wow. Winnipeg. Now, now Endura, if folks don't know, is a kind of Ethiopian flatbread. If you've ever eaten at an Ethiopian restaurant, you have definitely eaten this. It's kind of a spongy bread. Anyway, you can learn how that's made on our, on our artisan tours. Very so there's cool. many, many more tours that we, many more uh, businesses that we visit on different types of tours uh, across the neighborhood. Uh, and you're learning all kinds of cool things from the niche retailers in the neighborhood. And so is the time span about the same, about two hours for that tour as well? Or Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we, we try to keep all of our tours to two, two and a half hours. Uh, that That's about the limit of those tours. And of course, last but not least, my favorite, the restaurant tours. <laughs> um, so you get to sample how many dishes? So uh, each restaurant tour will visit three restaurants. So you get a sample of three dishes, and then you get a dessert from uh, from a West End business that that makes you know it'll be a bakery or confectionery shop. So so it's four diff- different dishes total. The West End. Most people know the West End is uh, pretty much the unofficial dining district of Winnipeg. Uh, we have uh, about 110 restaurants scattered throughout our neighborhood. Um, which actually makes the neighborhood great for a walking tour visiting restaurants because mm-hmm. it's very easy to get between them. Um, so that tour, uh, is, it's meant as an opportunity to sort of try out a restaurant you've never been to, you're not really sure what to order. We make it nice and simple. You book the tour and you get to sample some of the, some of the cuisine from these restaurants and some of them you'll get to, a chance to meet the owner and you'll also learn a little bit about the restaurant themselves. Very cool. So what kind of restaurants can people expect? Can you name a few? Oh, <laughs> so the, you know, I talk about the West End being the unofficial dining district. Um, but it's but but that's not its only sort of uh, you know unique feature. It's also one of the most diverse neighborhoods in Winnipeg, and that definitely comes out in the restaurants on the tours. So uh, the goal of each tour is to sort of sample that diversity. So you know we're going we're the tour is about experiencing um, different cuisine traditions from say Ethiopia, Vietnam, from the Philippines, uh, Latin America. Uh, we have a French restaurant on the tour. We try to keep the tours as diverse as possible to really sort of sort of keep the experience really expansive and unique. And what I did find out too is uh, that it also caters to vegetarian eaters as well. So not just uh, non-vegetarian restaurants. That's right. So we do, uh, we do ensure that we can meet vegetarian needs. On the tour, all restaurants uh, can accommodate that. Usually restaurants can accommodate other dietary restrictions as well. Uh, folks just need to let us know. I know that a lot of your dates are actually sold out. Uh, what uh, what dates typically does this happen? Sure. So most weeks, uh, the tour takes place on Wednesday. Sometimes it's on a Thursday. Um, one of our most popular tours this year uh, sold out super fast. So we actually added an extra tour. So the tour with uh, Sergeant Taco, uh, uh, Fa Huang, and Jeepney, uh, we actually added a date on a Tuesday coming up. So folks are interested in that one, and it seems like folks are very interested in that one. Uh, they can, <laughs> they should definitely be calling us as soon as possible to to secure a spot. So they are selling out, but there are still quite a few that are available. Absolutely. So aside from the tours, you guys definitely have a lot going on. Can you tell us about some of the events happening in the area? Absolutely. So 
this year we're we're doing uh, more events in Central Park. We're we're going to be hosting some uh, croquet events coming up uh, in August. So if folks are interested in that, they just need to head out to head over to our website and learn a little bit more about that if they want to play some games over the lunch hour. We're also doing uh, lunchtime performances at Saigon Park. Saigon Park is at the corner of Ellis and uh, Spence. And uh, with that one, we, uh, we have uh, uh, several businesses are sponsoring the event and you just need to come by and uh, every Thursday, uh, just enjoy some music, eat your lunch and, and just chill out in the West End. Yeah, I believe you guys call that Musical Notes and Lunch Totes. <laughs> That's the name we went with. That's right. <laughs> Again, thank you, Joe, for coming down to speak with us today on River City 360. Is there anything you'd like to add before you go? I suppose what I neglected to mention was that these tours that we offer, the mural tour, the artisan tour, the restaurant tour, you know, they're really about celebrating these these unique establishments in the neighborhood and about the art. But, you know, we do a lot more on the tours. We talk about the history of the neighborhood. You know, there's one of the things I find most fascinating on our tours is uh, we stop at a particular point on uh, Balmoral Avenue. And a lot of people don't know this about Winnipeg. A lot of people will look at the West End and they'll see it's kind of a, a wedge-shaped triangle kind of uh, emanating from downtown. Hmm. And, and people will say, you know, how come our grid pattern looks like that? How come we have a street grid in downtown that looks one way and a street grid in the west end that looks another way and a street grid in the north end that looks another way? And uh, the reason for that is the way that the land was distributed in the early Red River colony period. And so what's so fascinating is that when you walk the streets of the West End, you're actually walking on this sort of uh, this historical tradition that has traveled from the Red River colony into the present and you can see it in our streets. And and so we, we on our tour, we talk about that. It's not just about the restaurants and the art and the, the uh, you know, niche retailers. It's also about celebrating our history, speaking about our history, learning, you know, how you can spot the history of Winnipeg in the everyday, things you never knew. So there's, there's so much more to our tours, and we think people really love that. So again, for those that are interested in checking out the West End Biz events and activities, make sure you check them out on their website at... At www.westendbiz.ca. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much for having me, Sonny. That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and a huge thanks to all of our guests for talking to us as well. If you'd like to hear more RC360, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to the podcast, you can do so at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. If you want to request a song, suggest a topic for a future show, or just say hello, give us a call at 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also search us out on Twitter Twitter and Facebook by searching River City 360 on Facebook and at River City, River City 360 on Twitter as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Sonny Promolo. Thank you so much for tuning into the show, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you.